You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network, sponsored by Audix. I wish I could break free back to where I'm supposed to be. Welcome back, everybody. And you know, Chris, I think I said this on the last episode, but nice job on the intro, man. You even you even cut the cut the track in time. It's a it's a splice in time. It really it, it pleases me, sir. Yeah, I, I I use this uh, this effects on your voice to make it sound like me. It sounded great. I, I think it, yeah, it's kind of real good. I only get to copy that plugin, it's a, man. It's a, it's a wave plugin. Yeah, it's 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 to be released. It's a special special. It's um it's um yeah. We'll maybe name it like Taco or something. I don't know. <laughs> So, so uh, as as usual, we're here with Chris Leonard, with Kyle Chernside. Um, and how how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? You guys hanging in there? Trying to. Hanging in, man. Uh, day by day. Uh, fixing a lot of food. Tonight I did a ham with some corn and a cheese plate with fruit and salami. Did you get any pictures before you devoured it? Because that sounds like something. All right, we'll send those along, buddy, because we got to check it out. I hope everyone's doing good, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, some more Facebook events. I got a couple emails. So if you don't already, signal to noise podcast at gmail.com comes directly to me. Uh, We're doing Facebook live events on the Signal to Noise podcast Facebook. And um, yeah, is that it? Do I have more stuff? Do we have more stuff? We always have more stuff, but uh, I mean, I think so. Uh, it's been a pretty cool episode tonight. For those of you who listened to the last episode with system engineer Erica Rust, I mean, we really enjoyed learning about her role in the production and how she views that. And I thought, gee, wouldn't it be cool to sort of have that two-way dialogue between the system engineer and the front of house mixer? And so tonight, actually, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Um, our, our our favorite guest host is back, Mr. Jim Yakabuski. Jim, thanks yeah, for being with us, man. Hey, good. Always, always. So, Jim, why don't you introduce our guest for the episode? How about that? Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Well, Put, putting someone else on the spot. I like it. It's good. For it's sure. good. <laughs> this, uh, this gentleman spent uh, a, a spring and a summer and into the fall with me last year um, on a very memorable Peter Frampton farewell tour um, as my system engineer and um, just all around awesome guy to hang with at front of house. Uh, Carter Hasselbrook, highly, highly skilled uh, L acoustics and other uh, system engineer. And um, we learned very quickly that we sort of go for the same thing, which is one of the one of the coolest things to have happen when a front of house guy and assistant guy work together. So Carter, welcome. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jim. We'll talk to you on another episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got, I got a cheese plate to whip up, so I'll be back. Yes. <laughs> so let's, I mean, let's start here. Carter, where, you know, when did you find out, you know, we always like to start the backstory a little bit, but when, when did you find out, you know, Erica was talk, telling us about the same moment. When, when was the moment where you were like, oh, I'm a, I, I'm getting into systems engineering. You know, when, when did you pick that discipline How, or did it pick you? How did you get into that? You know, uh, the whole I- industry kind of picked me. Um, I was in school, uh, I started actually a couple of times. I was a physics and math major uh, and dropped out and went back as an Asian studies major. And after two years, 
kind of was trying to figure out what I wanted to do on my, with that. And on my long, long drive back home, uh, realized I needed to figure out where my passion was. And the whole time I'm listening to music and realized that that's where it is. Uh, so I moved to Nashville and figured, uh, I'm, I'll just work in the music business wherever it leads me. And somehow, uh, it was always back to, uh, audio. And so I spent a lot of time as a monitor engineer in front of house engineer, uh, production manager, never really a tour manager. If I did, it wasn't very good. And I, I finally just got to where I, I didn't, I just didn't want to be behind the board for a minute. Um, and just jump back into the system engineering part and just loved being able to be there and hand somebody that palette that I'd been handed before so that they could, you know, create on it. So I've been really, really happy to be back uh, in that. And it's been uh, maybe four, three, four years that that's been pretty much all I've, all I've done. So yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty cool. You you you'd mentioned that like you had, you you didn't you you found a point where you didn't want to be the, behind a console as much, and that's something that I've I've noticed recently. Like as I you know made the move into corporate uh, and started learning system design more than I was when I was touring. Because touring, I was mostly doing you know monitors, did a little bit of you know front of house work and stuff. Um, and I've found myself now that I've learned what system teching is, the art that goes into it, the designing of the systems, like I really, um, enjoy that process. And it's like, man, like if, if, if I went back into the rock and roll world, it's definitely something, um, that I think I'd want to get into, uh, 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 married with the word that you had said, passion, Right. I know I'm sure pretty much everyone here, um, that word passion, like that's why we do what we do. Everything from, you know, uh, uh, the work we do on the road to this podcast or whatever, like audio is my passion. <laughs> um, and so the, the marrying of those two together is pretty cool. And to be able to find something that you can really sink yourself into. Um, and like you said, like you can put your name behind of like, hey, I created this palette. Now you can go work with it. Like that's a that's a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. It. It's just, it's awesome. Uh, I, I love it. And especially, you know, being able to, you know, meet a bunch of new guys and, you know, meeting Jim this last year was just fantastic. We'd almost crossed paths a few times before, uh, on, on a couple different tours that I'd been asked if I could go out on and then it just didn't work out. So I'd heard his name a bunch and man, I, I wish I'd said yes all those other times now. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, what I want to know, and it's kind of a two-part question, Carter, you know, when, you know, when I start working with a, a mixer who I've not worked with before, um, to me, one of the first things I want to know is what, you know, what they're going for in terms of how they want their system to behave, you know, tonally, spatially, all that stuff. And and depending who I'm working with, it's it's always a little bit of a different route to finding that common vocabulary. So, you know, what, what is, what is that like when you're start working with a new front of house engineer? Um, you know, maybe what sort of dialogue are you having so you can understand what they're going for? Uh, you know, that, that depends on that engineer and the, and the tour so much. Cause you know, just thinking of back about this, the last year, uh, Jim and I talked for gosh, months before the tour started about the system design and, uh, what he expected it to be able to do and the, how the coverage was going to work and which boxes were going to do what and uh, which was awesome. 
and being, being able to spend that much time on the, on the front end to know once we got together and put it together, you know, I was able to know how I needed to control it, which part, you know, what kind of, you know, kind of templates I needed to have for myself. Um, it was great. But then when I jumped, uh, jumped from that straight into Fantasia, uh, this, this last year. And I mean, I, when I say jump straight in, we finished a show on a Saturday night and I was on a plane at 5 a.m. the next morning and I showed up to my PA being flown for tech rehearsals. And I didn't have any conversations with anybody before that happened. So it was a real quick, uh, okay, well, what did, what did you need? And uh, yeah, well, hi, yeah, I'm Carter. And, uh, okay, you're uh, great. And so we needed to do what, and, oh, the band's going to be up in uh, an hour and a half. Great. Okay. Um, let's go. And so I kind of, on one like that, I said, you know, here's what I normally do. Uh, if you hate it, we'll, we'll change it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, you know, sometimes it's as, it's as throw and go as that. And, uh, but you know, once we kind of get settled in, you know, it's in, in rehearsals, um, you know, I'll kind of, I'll take a few measurements in a different, uh, and you know, during the, during the mix or when he's done at the end of the night, then I'll go in and, uh, I'd take another measurement with, uh, pink. Well, actually I'd say pink noise. I've been using M noise, uh, recently, uh, instead. And I, think you guys talked about that maybe a few episodes ago. Or, yeah, we had Marlon from Meyer on the show. Yeah, and it's sort Merlin. of his project. So he, he told us a little bit about that. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just listened to that a couple, uh, about a week ago. So yeah, awesome podcast. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll get a new reference uh, kind of every night and see how that if they've changed what we've done. And, you know, if he's been happy some days and not some days, I can go back and look at those and go, okay. Um, you know, something about the room had changed and something about this had changed. And this is really what he's expecting, uh, to make it be perfect for him. So that's, that's, I don't know. Did I answer the question or did I just talk about something else? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So Jim, Jim, what's your end of that interaction? Like when you, you show up and, you know, obviously you, you, you've worked uh, extensively with Carter at this point. So when you guys get into a room now, um, you know, what's your dialogue like in the morning when you're, when you're starting your day? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, usually it's, you know, my first question when I walk in most mornings where's is, catering. Uh, yeah. Where's catering. <laughs> yes. um, Thank you, Jim. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, are, are, yes, there are cheese plates there. Um, <laughs> and, but I'll, I'll usually just kind of say, you know, what do we got? Like what's, what's the room presenting us with? Um, and we, you know, we were doing a summer tour, so it was a lot of sheds and very seldom was it you know, um, copy paste, uh, arenas. It was really a different thing every day. And so some of our main, uh, issues every day was, you know, um, you know, we were flying the subs right behind the K2s. So, um, you know, on days where the PA was quite a bit upstage, you know, we would, we would kind of, you know, wonder if we should have the subs, you know, 18 feet, you know, behind the band kind of thing. Um, so, so, you know, Carter would often call me in the morning too, and, or text me and just say, Hey, can you, you got a a second for a call? And we would talk about challenges of the room, but, um, you know, you know, one thing when you work with someone is, you know, you just, you, you gradually see their body of work, you know, if, 
if uh, the first gig sucks and the second gig sucks, then you're pretty worried. Um, and, you know, maybe you get it together later. But if you come out of the gate strong and you're a week into the tour, 10 days in, and you're just getting great results and, the, you know, that you feel like the, the, the system uh, engineer gets you and your style then um, there's a lot of trust that goes on and a lot less questions. But yeah, most days it was always just, you know, what's the room given us today? What what decisions have you made? And, uh, you know, usually just me asking him, is there anything we need to talk about? Because he usually just ha- always had it covered, you know? Yeah, that's so, exactly what it sounded like every morning. So what do we got? <laughs> <laughs> and off to catering. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Carter, you, I mean, it's, it's gotta be interesting working with Jim. He's a bit atypical in that he's really, really into the system tuning bit of this. I mean, a lot of engineers that I work with don't care. They just don't, they're not interested. They're happy to just mix and say, Hey, make me sound good everywhere else. And that's, that's as far as they want to go. Or they'll say, Hey, they'll, you know, ask for a couple filters here and there. But, but by and large, a lot of the folks are very happy to just sort of take you at your word more or less. And so, um, you know, Jim's a real system tuning, uh, guru, you know, and he loves getting in there and, and making measurements and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it, was it more of a collaborative process in that sense than, than maybe you've dealt with in the past? Uh, yes. I'm trying to think if there was ever a more collaborative, uh, partnership that I had. And I, I think I've had some that are similar. Um, but, but that it was, it, it was really good because it let me know exactly how, not, not just kind of what he wanted the PA to sound like, but how he wanted to achieve it and how he wanted to come about getting that, uh, finding that result. Uh, so it was good. You know, both of us actually, uh, well, I, I think we both learned a little bit from each other during that, oh but, gosh, yeah. um, sure. I, uh, I absolutely learned a few, a few things. I went, wow, you know what? I never thought about, uh, measuring, that way, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's fantastic. Just uh, you know where we would measure uh, for to time subs was just different from where I would have done it uh, and had always done it. And went wow, that I think that probably makes a lot of sense. And then in about a week, I went yeah, well, there's a reason that you do it. All right, great. <laughs> that's going in my that's going in my back pocket. That's what we're doing from now on. So yeah, I mean it was it was it was really good. So Jim, what's, I mean, what's your end of that? You kind of pivoted about what three quarters of the way through the tour and you, you started, I think after we would been talking to Howard Page a bit and you, <laughs> you, you sent me an email and you said, I'm really chasing this, this flat thing, you know, and you were, right. you were really working on that. So, I mean, so, you know, how was that dialogue when you, when you said, you know what, I got a crazy idea. Well, we, we really, um, transitioned into it. Um, you know, we, we uh, talked a lot about the <clears throat> the transition from the lows of the of the K2s into the the subs and uh, the KS28s like how how can we make this be so seamless that you know and, and it, it always came down to the bass guitar for us that was our thing it was like let's make the bass guitar like every note on that guitar sound the same the same volume same intensity. And, uh, you know, Frampton had so many great songs where the bass was just walking and moving up and down. And, and we always wanted that to be our thing. We didn't ever want to have, you know, plus nine of 
50 Hertz compared to everything else where those notes would just, you know, take off. And, um, but, but it was a, a transition. So we, we started off probably a little more typical to, um, you know, here's the K2 preset and let's, you know, tame it a little bit. And then, you know, I'll, I'll make my mix work within that. But by, you know, as we got further along in the tour, it was like, uh, let's, let's just tame that even more and I'll make up for it on my console mix. And, um, we, we both were chasing something super cool and yeah, Howard getting involved in, in some of our discussions about sort of, you know, less tilted PAs, uh, definitely inspired me to, to go for that more. Um, but, uh, yeah, Carter and I were definitely collaborative on, on that. And we, it, it was a, it became a challenge for us to have the least amount of P, uh, low end in the PA and still have a nice, big, full musical sounding low end, you know? So J- Jim, uh, out of curiosity, not to derail us too much, but in, um, did you compare board mixes from earlier in the tour to later on? Um, sure. And then if you did, what did, what did you notice? Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely, you know, you could hear them get a little bigger. Uh, you know, I, I almost always have a little something on the, on the output to the record mixes and all the, you know, the backstage video records and all the, I usually have a little bit of a sort of loudness curve on those little, those little highs just to, you know, give them a little extra life. But yeah, I definitely was back in the low end off, um, on those extra mixes because, uh, I had it in all the channels and in Mm. the console. So, um, it sounded like, like the goal, you know, like you're talking about with Howard, you know, if your headphones sound great and you have, so Carter, uh, what's your a fairly what's neutral your, oh, sorry, Jim. Oh, that's all right. What's that? I don't know the internet. There was a very strange demonic internet sound for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I want to know from, you know, you you're really uh setting that standard for you know consistency so carter you know what were some of your biggest challenges when you're you know like jim said you're kind of you know different venue every day different different format of venue every day obviously you're carrying pa which is helpful but what what are some of the things that that you were challenged by to try to get that consistency man uh, it was really all all about the rooms and and their specific rigging or crazy roof challenges um you know because like like he was saying we flew the k2 and ks28s right behind it and then we had cara for an offstage fill which is uh which is a great combination as long as it makes sense still Uh, but we ran into a few spots where you know the the stage itself was a little more narrow and where the pa had to go there was no way to rig subs behind it so now today they're going to have to be off to the side. Uh, so that would change just kind of how that relationship that we were used to worked. Uh, some days that 110 degree side fill box that sounds so nice. If, uh, would have a video wall that somebody decided was a great thing to put right here. And (laughs) two thirds of the box are going to be slamming into that. I'm like, well, I mean, I I can't do that. And I can't turn a 110 degree box onto the 
you know, toward the stage to miss it, or it's also hitting front of house out of time. Uh, so those were, the, those were most of the biggest challenges was just getting the, uh, you know, getting those rooms, uh, to be covered evenly. Cause you know, the, and on the flip side of that, the good part was, you know, all the tools I had on, on hand uh, and the time that I had, uh, there's some tours that I've, uh, Celtic woman, for example, uh, I don't know if we've talked about me doing that one, but I've done that for a few years. And on that tour, uh, I have 30 minutes from when I can start to take a measurement in a room until I'm catching my truck. Um, so I have to, that that's helped. And those are all theaters. So that has helped me, uh, be able to quickly use as many of the tools that L acoustics gives, because that's what both of those PAs are, uh, all the tools that they give you to kind of help move it forward quickly and just how to draw faster. You know, it's been helpful, but on that one, you know, I'd have at least an hour, uh, if not maybe an hour and a half or so, two hours uh, to measure. And then, you know, by the time, you know, all rigging and lighting and everything dumped, um, you know, I had a lot of time to work on that. So that, that was, that, that was the challenge, but also the blessing on that one. Once I, once I was able to do that, um, then it really was mostly just, you know, here's, here's a little bit of timing, uh, a little bit of, you know, FIR changes on the top. Cause, um, you know, the air is different from what the software didn't know and, you know, kind of contour the low end and here we go. It just, it, you know, really, I'd, I'd say we were on most days, we, we didn't really end up taking a lot of time to tune the rig. Um, at, at nowhere near as much time as I'm, I'm used to, uh, which was great because we were, we were working in concert on it and, and just having that, you know, that other hand, you know, there to, you know, here, I'm not, I'm not having to run everything everywhere and back and forth. And, uh, and you got another ear on it so we could just bounce something off each other. Do you think we should do it like this? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that'd be best or, uh, maybe we should just wait cause that'll probably change later. And, um, you know, I'll, uh, you know, Jim would every once in a while go, ah, that filter, I'm just gonna, I'm going to put it in over here on my side. Cause I may, I may change that. And the thing is we had so many places to EQ, um, cause he had, uh, lakes on his end. So if he needed to do anything quickly, uh, during the set, but I was out on the lawn, uh, he was able to take care of anything he needed to do. Um, I had, um, uh, what did I have on the front end, Jim? Did I have galaxies or Galileo's I, um, uh, something Meyer on the front end yeah. of it as a drive. And then obviously all the in, uh, internal stuff with the, in the amps for L acoustics. So um, it was great. We could grab anything anywhere, uh, either of us at any time. And it really helped uh, so, speed it along. So Carter, to, uh, one question to set up the next question. So I'm, I'm assuming uh, you guys are using smart. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, two things. One, um, um, do you, and it is a debated topic, um, do you use a, uh, a target trace? And then, uh, secondly, um, are you using, uh, multiple mic averages or are you using, uh, a single, single mics as you move around the venue? Uh, we were, uh, we did have, uh, a target trace. Um, didn't we, Jim? I feel yeah. like we did. Is yeah. there a, an idea sure. of where we wanted it to be? Flat with a little tilt. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, well, but I, yeah. but I mean, like, did you actually have, like, say, from a show, a trace that you're kind of going after, or an actual drawn trace that you were going after, or you um, that you, uh, or did you just simply looking at pure, you know, zero dB line as your yeah. as your flat line? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that daily. It was just looking at the dB line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was one mic that we would walk around uh, to a bunch of different spots in the room, and uh, and you know, average it ourselves and yeah. just kind of but Store and, and knowing the difference of of what the the back of the room is really going to do in some of those venues uh as opposed to the front just in weird low-end build-up things and not trying to uh for that to me using an average of everything is uh, a little misrepresentative in in that situation um but and then, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming by the way you were talking about this, but when it came time for actual tuning uh, and dropping filters and stuff, um, so you and Jim were actually um, present at the same time, as opposed to, I, I imagine, many other system engineers or maybe other tours you've been on, it's purely up to you and you're just handing over the car, so to speak, to someone else to drive at that point. Oh, no. It was, yeah, it was absolutely both of us hands on. I mean, half the time, uh, like, I would try to walk the mic around and I eventually gave up because Jim was like, no, 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 this is where I get my steps in the day. You'll get plenty. <laughs> like, okay, I, re- I regretted Red now. Rocks many times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, it can be your day today, Carter. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we switched halfway through. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, but most days it was, you know, Jim would run the mic around and uh, at the beginning it was, it was very much both of us. So he'd get the mic somewhere when we both come back and we'd look at it and d- make a decision. And eventually it just got to where he's like, okay, well, I'm going to walk the mic around. So I get my steps and then you know, just take the trace and and we'll, we'll, talk we'll do our it. thing and, and we'll, and it'll be great. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. We, we, it, it does sound kind of corny, but we seriously talked about pretty much every filter that we would put in. And, um, the thing is we didn't use many so that, you know, um, by, uh, you know, using the tools within LA network and, um, you know, we really didn't do a lot of EQing. It was mostly just balancing the whole frequency spectrum, um, you know, at the, at the front of the process. And so then it was just like, okay, it's obvious that there's a bunch of 315 in this room. So, so we would take it out. And like, like Carter said, sometimes I would just do that over on my lake because, you know, I knew with a bunch of people in here, I'd probably need that back. So, so I would usually take a low mid and a high mid and I would do, uh, have a filter in place ready to go, um, on my lakes, which were inserted on my matrixes, um, so that I had, uh, you know, I had something to, to grab real quick, but, but yes, we absolutely, discussed every every filter every time and during the show you know we'd be in the first and second song hey let's put a little of that back in hey why don't we you know add a db a shelf on the whole thing or you know um on the high end just to to brighten it up and it was a uh, was collaborative all the way usually to the third or fourth song so yeah. carter let's let's talk about the the lawn seats man when you get into the sheds um because that's you know, my experience has been that you sort of get what you get and, you know, God knows what's hanging up there until you show up. And sometimes right, yeah. it's, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. So, I mean, what, 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 what are some kind of tricks you have in your bag to try to get the best out of that situation where you have to, you have to just get this thing to behave, you know? Uh, 
Well, again, that very much depends on the room. And fortunately, I've been to the majority of the, at least the big ones before. So I have a good idea of what was hanging there, you know, at least from unless they just upgraded it, which at that point, then I'm happy. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, some of those venues, those back seats come up and you barely, I'm like, I don't even know how anybody can see from the lawn to the stage. So to try and use any of our, like you're, you're completely reliant on the house system, you know, as crappy as it is, uh, or as great as it is, or, or in, and even if they are great, it doesn't mean it's going to necessarily instantly mesh with what we've got. So, um, on those days, you know, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of walking by ear, to be honest. Um, I get a mic out there and, uh, you know, you know, you can time wherever you want and every, every inch you move the mic, it's going to be off. So pick a spot. Yeah, it works. Listen to a snare drum. Uh, yep. That's in time. Great. And, you know, walk around and make sure it sounds as close to what we want it. You know, I know it sounds like at front of house. Um, but days where you've got that knife, that huge opening back there in the back, man, I'll, we had enough PA. I was, I'd cover half the lawn if I could. Um, but, I, but my biggest thing was they, you know, they started putting those big, huge led walls back there for the guys. So now I got to make sure I'm not banging off of those anymore. So some of those venues where, you know, used to have those projector things up above stuff and whatever, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff hanging down and in the way, um, you know, and if I don't want somebody to hear their voice or their guitar 15 seconds after they played it, you know, I'm going to have to aim the PA a little bit different and I can't get those. So, um, but yeah, rather, sorry, uh, rather than, rather than taking a couple of mics and, you know, having, here's what it's looking like in front of house. And I've got my mic out here and look at smart. Um, uh, yeah, I've got it set up where I can see it on my, on my tablet when I'm walking around. So rather than kind of looking at both of those and you know, did the timing get right? Did the wind blow a little bit? Now my timing's way off. It just didn't. Mm-hmm. I've, of all the years, I've tried that a bunch of times. Some days it works. Most of the time it's, it just doesn't, even if I get it to look the same, it just doesn't have the same signature sound. It just doesn't, it's, it doesn't sound the same. And I don't, you know, some days I don't care what smart says. It doesn't sound the same. And I don't know why. Um, Michael, I'll let you tell me why. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, tell me I'm an I, idiot. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, here's the thing: the audience isn't sitting there with analyzers in their laps, right? That's so exactly it, right. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how smart is a tool to help you get there. But it, yeah. you know, it, if everyone was going to come and measure the show, I'd, I'd do my job very differently. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I'm thinking of something like SPAC, where you, you literally, if you're up in the back of the lawn, you literally can't. There's no line of sight down to the stage. Oh almost. yeah. I mean, so. So at that point, you're like the lawn PA, that's what I'm getting. And, and it's, it becomes about, all right, well, let's see what, you know, is any of the sub getting back here and let's just get the yeah. tonal balance, the overall tonal balance as close as we can. But, you know, I, this is, this is one of those wonderful things where, you know, the human psychoacoustic mechanism says, yeah, you know, okay, the mic's picking up the same curve, but you know, there's nothing bouncing off the walls on the roof out here or outside. Whereas right. inside there's stuff coming at you from all over the place. So they're not going to sound the same, even if you match those curves, you know, um, and, and SPAC in general is, is a venue that where I, I honestly, I do exactly what you do, 
it, which is, I'm just going to go listen to it and I'm just going to make a gut, you know, I'm going to pretend I'm mixing and say, what would I do to the mix out here to make this, you know, tonally correct. And I just do that to the zone. Um, cause you can measure that all day and it m- may not be any better, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's kind of like what I, uh, with the front of house guy that's with Celtic woman that I I've worked with for, uh, well, <laughs> it would have been three full years, but not quite now. <laughs> um, he and I, like he comes in and he's already spent a few weeks with the band kind of getting them. Like, he knows exactly what he wants it to sound like. And so he gets something, he gets, he has his mix set and he basically wants me to master his mix everywhere else is how he's kind of put it. You know, like I'm going to mix half the time. He's in the, you know, underneath the balcony somewhere weird. He doesn't have a, the best representation of what it sounds like everywhere else. And there's, uh, I'll take any, anybody's tips on that, but man, you know, those, those back balconies and some of those venues are nuts. So, uh, that, that's kind of an, uh, an opposite of what I'm doing with Jim is, you know, I'll come in, give it to him. He'll walk out and we'll listen to this the exact same song for just a minute. And he'll go, hey, yeah, okay. That, uh, yeah. And he may want me to change one or two little things real quick. And then he'll go back under the balcony. And from then on, it's he's mixing there and I'm somewhere else and making sure it's all the same. But when when you're sorry, when you're getting those back balcony bits, I, there was a good bit that you guys were talking about with Merlin kind of about this is that those guys that are sitting at the back. I mean, unless it's one of those and, and we had some on this tour where it was completely sold out and everyone in there was there wanting that same rock and roll show. Um, you know, most of the time there's some people that are there that are going to want to enjoy the show, but they don't want it that same immersion that somebody that, you know, stayed up three nights and got a front row seat want. And so I'm okay with it tailing off a little bit, you know, back there at the back, you got to be able to hear Peter when he's talking and you've got to be able to hear those guitar solos and you've got to be able to hear all that, you know, when the music's going, you can usually hear everything, but it's making me making sure that you could hear all those stories that are in between. And as long as you got that, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's 10 DB quieter than is at the very front of the stage, uh, when I'm walking around, I'm, I'm watching the people once the show's going, like I'm listening to it, but I'm looking at the people and if they don't look like they're having a good time, or if I see people struggling for, you know, trying to find something in the, in a mix or in the, uh, in clarity somewhere, then I, I know a little bit better that, okay, well, <laughs> what I thought was okay. Isn't working, even though it sounds like it's fine to me, something's not right. And I, right. man, I'll, I'll ask somebody like if I, if, if, if there's, if, you know, and I'd be the first one to be out there with my, you know, laptop and, you know, somebody knows what I'm doing and, you know, uh, but yeah, I still don't think I answered your question. But <laughs> that's enough of me. Battling for the moment. <laughs> no, I mean, it's great because, because I mean, this, this is sort of the real deal is that there's not a perfect answer here. This is one of those topics in systems engineering work where you're picking the best of the available options and you run with that, you know, and, and I think, you know, what, what is the best option will change based on the show, based on the room, based on the rig, all that stuff. But I, I'm like you, I will gladly take a little bit more level variance if I can keep the spectral 
variants under control more and, and keep the tone of the mix the same all the way back. Um, yeah. Because what everyone forgets about is your subs, they're, they're louder in the front period. They're, sub, you know, that's just, that's how it's going to be unless you got a, you know, a 90 foot long line of subs hanging. Um, so, so it's a mistake really to go after your mains and say, look, I'm with one DB front to back. Well, your subs aren't. So your tonal variance is now crazy, you know? Right. And I think oh, yeah, people forget totally. that. Yeah. I, uh, I usually put my, for anyone who's familiar with the L acoustics, uh, software, um, you can set your, your variance when you're, you, you've got your, I should have opened it up before I started talking about it. So I could remember all my bits, but, uh, you've basically got your, your target, uh, which I'd set kind of right behind front of house. And then, uh, here's the very, the minimum and maximum of it, of how long you're throwing the PA and you can set kind of where you want that variance to be from the front to the back. Um, and I, you know, it defaults, I think at like six DB, uh, gain at the front and six DB loss at the back. And I, I usually kind of have my target somewhere around six DB and, you know, if it even varies, you know, to make it, make the, make it tonally correct. If it has to be a little bit more than that, I haven't found that I've, had any, uh, well, at least no complaints that have come to me and I haven't really noticed it because as you're walking away from something, you kind of expect it to get a little quieter and that, you know, uh, if it dropped, you know, two DB or three DB from front of house, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to notice that unless I measure it, especially in the, in the moment when you're walking around, it just doesn't happen, you know? So. Yeah, that's that's been the crazy thing with DSP these days. You know, the 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 latest line of line arrays, if you will. Um, um you know, almost all of them have some uh, form of uh, DSP that is basically um getting the shading right for us, <laughs> as opposed to it used to be. I, at least I felt you know at least like old school Vertec days, like you were manually shading things to like actually get that front to back ratio right. Oh yeah, um, and uh, I toured with Vertec for a long time. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and then like now you got like acoustics, you get your Martin stuff, and like with Martin, like the default is up um only plus three, like from your they call it the delta point on Martin. So it's like um uh it's like your say say your delta is that front of house it's like plus three db to the stage you know minus three db to the back back of house so i mean and that's that's like the default so 60b is even you know technically slightly greater than that um and it's but it's it's crazy like when you when you listen to a system that is optimized that way you um it it messes with your mind sometimes because like you said like you you're ex- like your your whole life has told you <laughs> it's supposed to be different than this <laughs> you know and yeah it's it's sound behaving in a, in a fundamentally different way than your brain has learned for your entire life and, and so so that's a good point you can you can go so far with this as to produce an unnatural effect and and you know i think that's something that you want to be mindful of especially in something like theater where your goal is to be invisible uh, and have you know stuff like natural speech delivery. You can you can create, um, a, and you know, and, and and it goes back to and kind of a mixing thing. You know, Jim, your thoughts on this as well. You know, I, I don't always use reverb as an effect like Beach Boys. You know, reverb. My thing is, I want to put it back in the space because I mic'd this drum from one inch away, and that's not how things sound. Things sound like they're in a space when we hear them. So I, I use just enough reverb to put things back in a space so it stops sounding unnatural. So if you take a dry you know, input channel and you put it in a PA that is, you know, the same volume front to back, I think you can really 
create some bizarre <laughs> perception right. things, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, the whole thing of going like, like Carter said, out from under the roof and, and you were saying, Michael, like the SPAC, you know, where it's just like, there's so many wooden kind of reflections mm-hmm. and stuff going on under the roof. And then, then you come out from under that and it's dry, dry, dry. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I do keep that in mind. And even though it's very reverberant where I'm mixing, um, I don't like to dry things up too much in the mix because then, you know, the, the lawn, uh, is just, just has no life to it. So I try to, I, you know, I try to always think about as many seats as I can when I make uh, those types of choices, you know, is, is the, the majority of the seats under the roof then, okay. But if it's half and half, you know, sometimes you have to fudge what you do a little bit to make the overall uh, work better. But that's an interesting point that I don't think I don't think we've talked about yet on the show, which is, you know, what you're doing at the console as a mix engineer is going to affect, you know, how I do my job in terms of system optimization. But but the other way around, the fact that you know the system in the room environment, you know, you're going to make different choices about. Uh, I, I know I think we talked about Bruce Ryder a little bit, but you know, it's sort of a circular thing where the room and the system are also influencing what you're doing at the console. So, so there's this total awareness. Uh, it's, it's not a one-way street, you know? Yeah. I was, I was going to jump in, uh, at one point there and say, you know, um, you know, I'm a maniac for making every seat sound the same. I, you know, I mean, some of the low end manipulation stuff we do with our, uh, armadillo, uh, (laughs) you know, and, and all of these, things that we do. And like Carter was mentioning, you know, I measure the subs, uh, to the mains, you know, in, in the null is, is my place, not dead center. I measured in like the worst spot where the, the biggest cancellation happens. And I try to optimize the lows to the subs there. And that's all meant for the purpose of making every seat have the same experience. And, um, and then I was going to, you know, tag onto that, that if, if Carter is doing that same thing and he's walking the, the venue and stuff, he can make the side seats sound so big and full and wonderful and, and, uh, you know, thumpy and all that to where it starts to mess with me. Because, you know, sometimes you have to tail that low end off a little bit on the sides if the if it's the type of room where that stuff's going to end up back in the center and be unwanted buildup you know so so it it is such a partnership that way and and we would have these conversations Carter would come back to me after doing a walk and he would say you know it's a, it's a touch thinner out way out on the sides but I don't want to mess with it because it's there's a lot of stuff going on and then during showtime when there was a bunch of bodies in there he would go out there and reevaluate that, you know, mm-hmm. um, he would say, you know, I think we can get away with it now. It sounds like it's tightened up a lot in the middle. I, I'd like to fatten up the, the outsides a little bit. And, you know, these are, these are great conversations with two people who really trust what the other person's doing. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's important. I don't ever want to tour <laughs> with anyone but Carter, but uh, but I also don't ever want to tour with somebody who is like, "Hey, I got this." You know, you just mm-hmm. you just move those faders. I got this. You know, it's it's not that way. It shouldn't be anyway. Yeah, 
So, so Carter, we um, something I don't think we've ever asked a system uh, engineer. How, have, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Canadians? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> That's a loaded um, question for me. <laughs> and this might be a, a simple no, uh, but um, have you been on a tour before? Um, of course, you have a relationship with a front of house engineer. What um, have actually? I'm thinking about this two angles. One, um, do you ever have a relationship that you have to interact with uh, the monitor engineer? And then, secondly, um, how about maybe the artists themselves? Is is there ever been an artist that actually knows what it is that you're doing, or is that relationship only ever between between the artist and the front of house engineer? Uh, no, I've actually had the both of those uh, relationships, and especially on you know a s- smaller tour, um, yeah. I'm going to be working hand in hand with more than one person, uh, just cause we're a smaller team. Um, but I like, I usually talk with the monitor engineer, uh, if I think something's going to be different. Um, like if everything, you know, like having to drop your fly malts over his desk. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. you know, like some of these rooms, like the PA like literally is hanging way, way lower than it normally would. And a lot of times I'll try and, you know, when, when I've got a, a really low trim, I'll see if I can get away with fewer boxes so that I can keep those speakers further away from my monitor engineer. Because, you know, that if, and especially if I don't give them a heads up, man, that is, yeah, because I've been in that seat and you get the, you know, especially with the subs flown right behind, you know, if I've got the subs 18 feet above his head almost every day and then, you know, today, oops, don't look up. They're right there. That's going to, you know, yeah, the first time we fire on, fire up the PA, he's going to lose his mind. It's going to be totally <laughs> an experience. It's going to be different um, because, you know, he already doesn't have that same feel as what the band does. But if, when I change that relationship of what he's used to, uh, he needs, he needs to know, he needs to be aware so that he can, you know, get accustomed to that. And uh, there's a few artists that, you know, they have a way that they're comfortable on stage. Um, just, you know, just like with the ears, you're giving them what they, what they want in their ears, but from front of house, we're probably hitting them with some stuff. So, um, you know, one thing that Jim and I did is we would actually, he would get on the stage, uh, and we would listen to the relationship of the front fills and how they were reacting backwards. Um, because they'll, depending on how far apart they were one one day or the other, that tonality that's kind of building up backwards toward the artist is going to be a little bit different. And so we would tune them that way as well. So we'd listen to them and they'd, we'd tune the PA like normal. And then when we thought we were done, we would go up and Jim would get on deck and we'd listen through all of them. You know, and that's, uh, I destroy I do everything we did. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you get back out there, you know, you've cut a, couple of frequencies in a couple of spots, but it's usually low end things that are building up anyway. And you're always, you know, I'm always afraid to take, you know, to just high pass the crap out of a, a front fill because maybe I need some of that energy coming from right there, but really all that low, like that low end energy, when you're that close, it's coming from the mains. You're not going to be able to push 80 cycles out of a front fill. That's going to take over uh, you know, a 16 deep K2, it's not going to, yeah. it's not going to happen. So does it need to be there? No. 
that's am I always going to just I mean, that not being there? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's smart looks good and it sounds great. And then you go on stage and go, man, you know what? Those are really jacking up the stage and cut it all out, turn it all back on. It sounds the same, you know, right. like those couple little changes didn't really like they're getting masked by everything else. And, you know, you got to depending on the show too, of course, you know, when I was rock and roll shows, uh, pop shows, those people in the front row are, I mean, they're there for a totally different experience than, you know, immersive sound because they've already taken themselves out of a stereo experience. They've taken, you know, they want to be close. They want to be able to hear what's happening, but they're, they're just sitting there in awe the whole time. I mean, I've, if we've, if anybody's been on the stage looking back at them, you know, you know, that's what they're there doing. Um, Celtic woman aside, man, everybody's there for the same thing. And I've been that we need another hour for me to tell you the complete difference of how I tune that PA to how I tune with Jim. <laughs> Cause it's, it's just, it's a different, it needs to be different, you know? Mm. But, uh, well, that's, it, that was yeah. one of my biggest takeaways from Jim has this article three, uh, 360 degree system tuning, I think it's called. And, that's exactly uh, what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a flashlight, you know, it doesn't all go forward. So, so being, being aware of what's coming out of the back of this thing, the low frequency buildup, I mean, it's exactly like you said, I, I, after, after I read that piece by Jim, I started getting a lot more aggressive with what's going on in my fill systems, my side hangs, my front fills, you know, do, you know, how high can I get this, this high pass? Because like you said, it looks scary. And if you solo the, that zone, it sounds horrendous, but uh, you know, that stuff at, at hundred Hertz is just getting steamrolled by the mains. So, you know, I don't, I don't need it there. It's, it's not going to make a difference out front and it's going to clean up the stage a lot. And, and that's a, that's a conversation I have with my monitor guy. You know, I, I, a lot of the gigs I work with, I have the same monitor engineer with me and, and we designed the PA together because it, you know, if he's having a rough day because I did some, something stupid with my subs, that doesn't help either of us. So, you know, that's, that's definitely been a collaborative thing in my experience. Yeah. And back in the wedge days, you know, um, <clears throat> Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure Chris can jump in on this too, cause it sounds like he did some stuff back in the wedge days too. Um, but, uh, man, not quite you know, old as Kyle, but you know, yes, I've, I've, done, I've done plenty of wedges. Yes. <laughs> 49 minutes without mentioning that. Uh, <laughs> this isn't I, this, this isn't a, a cue for you to start talking about cheese wedges either, Kyle. This is uh, these are these are monitor wedges. It's on. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, you know, I, I remember being on a tour and a, a very famous front of house guy was out there mixing, and I was the the monitor engineer, and I was getting all. Uh, puffy about how you know big all my wedges sounded on stage when the pa was off you know and um <laughs> and he said hey you know when when i turn the pa on i'll give you all that low end you don't need to have it here because all you're doing is is killing me you know you're just adding all this this muck and stuff that's that's uh you know out of time and it's uh you know so do me a favor and high pass those things that i'll make sure you're you're good and um man you know that's why this guy's a legend uh greg price um you know oh yeah okay yeah i mean he taught me that that as a monitor engineer mixing mixing with uh big side fills and wedges you know just you know just make them sound you know smooth loud all that other stuff but you you don't need all that low end if you have an aggressive uh low end you know, from your front of house mix so 
And look, look at that. We, 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 even, even, even within a system tech episode, we're still talking monitors. I love it. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's nothing happens in a We've vacuum. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, side fill to me is, is equally scary as saying like, you know, the taco store is closed. I, side fills are like, Hey, what's the fastest way to just ruin everything? <laughs> let's yeah. like, hey, I want to make this sound worse in every aspect. How about some, how about let's blow the mix back into all the mics. Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want it to be like 30 milliseconds late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and in the, and since we've gotten here into the monitor stuff for a yes. second, um, this same, uh, principle that we're talking about, um, if anybody actually still uses wedges, this is a fantastic, Kyle does, uh, way a drink. to still, uh, you know, you tune your, you tune your wedges, get on the other side of them. You know, right. it's the same thing because you're going to be doing the same thing that we're talking about with front fills or Are you talking side about stage action. diving? Are you talking about getting the other side? <laughs> stage, uh, oh. Yeah. No, but, uh, Three, you know, 360 these, monitor tune. Building up back toward the deck. Uh, the wedges are building up back toward front of house so that we can, you know, if I'd only known that 15, 20 years ago, I would have had a lot of front of house guys that liked me a lot more um, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, you know. Uh, but but I think, you know, like what you're saying, that what we're doing with uh, with side hangs and uh, front fills, uh, I think the next time I'm tuning wedges, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to get off the stage into the front few rows and see what I'm screwing up going the other way and then get back on deck and make sure I'm still good. Once the PA is on, I probably am, you know, yep. so. No, I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's a conversation that, you know, looking at the sub predictions and looking at the sub measurements and very, very closely with my modern engineer, um, and, and, you know, having that dialogue about what, what does he need? Sometimes he wants, I mean, we, we did a, uh, it was a, it was an ACDC tribute thing and he wanted as much subwash as, as he, you know, he's like, don't use card, don't steer him, just let it roll because those guys on stage wanted that impact. And he knew that if I cleaned up my sub direction, like they were just going to be asking for more monitor, more monitor all night. And he didn't want to do that. So he's like, no, let they don't let it wash. So, so that's a conversation where, you know, the goals of the show really play into how we're designing the PA, you know, and, and you know, that's not a touring situation. It's a one-off. So it's a, it's a little bit different dynamic, but, but my overarching point is if soundcheck is the first time you're thinking about this stuff, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, the, the earlier on you can get, on the same page with these goals. I think just everyone's day is just, just so much easier. Oh yeah. Cause if, if we're not screaming at a, you know, for wedges to, you know, how oh, you're killing me with two fifty out here at front of house while they're trying to actually work with the artist on deck. Uh, you know, we're wasting the artist's time at that point and that's not why we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Carter said earlier, you know, we, we started talking early. Um, you know, luckily we had, we had the time, we had the lead time in front of the tour to, to work on the design of the PA and, you know, um, you know, ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, what do you think from your experience, you know, me, me to him asking him, you know, you, you put this stuff up every day. I, I, I have been on tours where I'm using a different PA and you seem to, you know, use, uh, you know, L acoustics, more consistently than me. So, so I'm going to tell you what I have experienced as, you know, the best configurations, but tell me, you, you, I want to hear your opinion because you're, mm-hmm. you're the guy who's, who's make going to make it all come together. So. 
Speaking of your opinion, Carter, we just cut Jim off. He can't hear this. So what's the real dirt on Jim as we, as we close this out? So, uh, <laughs> real dirt on Jim. Now, can we just start another another show right now? <laughs> oh, man. I, man. I wish I even could have, have a fun story to go, ah, here's what, you know, but there, uh, you know, aside from fortunately, we've got some of the same dumb humor you know i mean when we all right were i got one for you carter uh, what was your did you have any huge like oh shit moments on this last tour i mean was there just like a horrible scary failure or i mean something that that was uh, just a really rough day i mean what was there a big oh, yeah. challenge catering was i mean actually i was actually coincidentally that the one day that i was there something yeah. blew up in the in the amp rack actually oh yeah <laughs> right yeah uh, it, yeah and this, this was a you know uh uh kind of a falling down the stairs uh because there was an amp that went out in the k2 um so i have spares so i moved over to one of the spares uh that i had set up for k2 and it's you know copy the eq you know just put it in the same group and off we go and we started listening to it and we're like uh, the the smart's not reading something right something doesn't Look, and this is one of those times where this is why you use a tool, not just your ear. And there was something in the phase trace that just wasn't sitting with us right because it wasn't what it's supposed to be. And it took us forever to kind of track kind of like, well, we we're doing all the right things and doing the same stuff. And I think we just moved to a, a different amp. And I reset uh, an amp, a spare amp that I had set up for something else. I think we eventually kind of got it going. And what I realized <laughs> is that when I got my amp racks in prep, that amp was already set up as a K290 or whatever I had, uh, you know, in there. But the preset was already what I needed it to be. So I hadn't changed it. And it still had information in it from the last time somebody did that. So it had some delay or something in there and it was just jacking everything up. It was had probably, you know, five, 10 milliseconds delay on that one amp. So I went and, you know, reset it the next day, but that was, that was, you know, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind telling on myself. I, I screw up just like anybody <laughs> else, but yeah, you know, and then, and then we, don't you know, on your prep boys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <They're> all- <laughs> and then we just had to deal with that room for the rest of the days. Cause uh, oh. you know, I know I, I'll tell you next tour, Michael, I'm buying you a plane ticket to a show. <laughs> so, so I can see the show in some place other than yeah. that room. Yeah. Yeah. We we can't we can't keep having these audio conversations and then, you know, I write articles and you say, Hey, that's cool, Jim. And then you come and hear me mix and you go and 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 well, I'm definitely going you know, audio bag on the head kind of thing, (laughs) you know, but, uh, um, yeah. So you're going to come to a a better show whenever touring is a thing again. So, well, well, I, I look forward to that. It was a great time. Thank you again for having me out. And it was really, really fun to come out and hang with you guys and both of you guys. And, you know, actually, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll do the signal noise podcast. We'll go on mass. We'll sit right behind Jim. Oh, that'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. Air horns. Yeah, we can uh, record the podcast while he's mixing. It'll be there. Fantastic. You go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so Carter and Live Jim, thanks Kate. for thanks for being with us. Thanks for being with us tonight, guys. It was a lot of fun Ooh. having you here. It was a great conversation. It was a really it was really a real treat. Awesome. 
Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. It's the most yeah, I've talked yeah. to Carter since we were sitting side by side in front of house. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Great. Just like old times. Yeah, man. <laughs>